many years ago, long after publishing this short narrative. I read somewhere, I think it was in a book by Michael Elkins, about the tragedy of children and adolescents who had emerged from hiding in forests and underground shelters at the time of the liberation, who soon fell ill from exhaustion or malnutrition. Transported to various hospitals, they baffled doctors with their refusal to be fed, choosing instead to let themselves slip into death. This was their simple and heart-rending way of launching their own accusation at a so-called civilized society that had allowed people to stand by idly and betray the very humanity of mankind by remaining indifferent. The suicides of these children, like the murders of their parents, will never be forgiven. Ailey Wiesel The accident occurred on an evening in July, right in the heart of New York, as Kathleen and I were crossing the street to go to see the movie The Brothers Karamazov. The heat was heavy, suffocating. It penetrated your bones, your veins, your lungs. It was difficult to speak, even to breathe. Everything was covered with an enormous wet sheet of air. The heat stuck to your skin like a curse. People walked clumsily, looking haggard, their mouths dry like the mouths of old men watching the decay of their existence. Old men hoping to take leave of their own beings so as not to go mad. Their bodies filled them with disgust. I was tired. I had just finished my work, a five-hundred-word cable. Five hundred words, to say nothing. To cover up another empty day, it was one of those quiet and monotonous Sundays that leave no mark on time. Washington, nothing. United Nations, nothing. New York, nothing. Even Hollywood said, nothing. The movie stars had deserted the news. It wasn't easy to use five hundred words to say that there was nothing to say. After two hours of hard work, I was exhausted. What shall we do now? Kathleen asked. Whatever you like, I answered. We were on the corner of 45th Street, right in front of the Sheraton Astor. I felt stunned, heavy, a thick fog in my head. The slightest gesture was like trying to lift a planet. There was lead in my arms, in my legs. To my right, I could see the human whirlwind on Times Square. People go there as they go to the sea, neither to fight boredom nor the anguish of a room filled with blighted dreams, but to feel less alone or more alone. The world turned in slow motion under the weight of the heat. The picture seemed unreal. Beneath the colorful neon carnival, people went back and forth, laughing, singing, shouting, insulting one another, all of this with an exasperating slowness. Three sailors had come out of the hotel. When they saw Kathleen, they stopped short and, in unison, gave a long, admiring whistle. Let's go. Kathleen said, pulling me by the arm. 
she was obviously annoyed. "'What do you have against them?' I asked. "'They think you're beautiful.' "'I don't like them to whistle like that.' I said in a professorial tone, "'It's their way of looking at a woman. "'They see her with their mouths and not with their eyes. "'Sailors keep their eyes for the sea. "'When they're on land, they leave their eyes behind, "'as tokens of love.' The three admirers had already been gone for quite some time. "'And you?' Kathleen asked. "'How do you look at me?' She liked to relate everything to us. We were always the centre of her universe, for her other mortals lived only to be used as comparisons. "'I? I don't look at you,' I answered, slightly annoyed." There was a silence. I was biting my tongue. But I love you. You know that. You love me, but you don't look at me? She asked gloomily. Thanks for the compliment. You don't understand. I went right on. One doesn't necessarily exclude the other. You can love God, but you can't look at him. She seemed satisfied with this comparison. I would have to practice lying. "'Whom do you look at when you love God?' she asked after a moment of silence. "'Yourself. "'If man could contemplate the face of God, he would stop loving him. "'God needs love. He does not need understanding. "'And you?' For Kathleen, even God was not so much a subject for discussion as a way to bring the conversation back to us. I, too, I lied. I, too, I need your love. We were still in the same spot. Why hadn't we moved? I don't know. Perhaps we were waiting for the accident. I'll have to learn to lie, I kept thinking, even for the short time I have left, to lie well, without blushing. Until then I had been lying much too badly. I was awkward. My face would betray me and I would start blushing. What are we waiting for? Kathleen was getting impatient. Nothing, I said. I was lying without knowing it. We were waiting for the accident. You still aren't hungry? No, I answered. But you haven't eaten anything all day, she said reproachfully. No. Kathleen sighed. How long do you think you can hold out? You're slowly killing yourself. There was a small restaurant nearby. We went in. All right, I told myself, I'll also have to learn to eat and to love. You can learn anything. Ten or twelve people sitting on high red stools were eating silently at the counter. Kathleen now found herself in the crossfire of their stares. She was beautiful. Her face 
especially around the lips, showed the first signs of a fear that was waiting for a chance to turn into live suffering. I would have liked to tell her once more that I loved her. We ordered two hamburgers and two glasses of grapefruit juice. Eat, Kathleen said, and she looked up at me pleadingly. I cut off a piece and lifted it to my mouth. The smell of blood turned my stomach. I felt like throwing up. Once I had seen a man eating with great appetite a slice of meat without bread. Starving, I watched him for a long time. As if hypnotized, I followed the motion of his fingers and jaws. I was hoping that if he saw me there in front of him, he would throw me a piece. He didn't look up. The next day he was hanged by those who shared his barracks. He had been eating human flesh. To defend himself, he had screamed, I didn't do any harm, he was already dead. When I saw his body swinging in the latrine, I wondered, what if he had seen me? Eat, Kathleen said. I swallowed some juice. I'm not hungry, I said with an effort. A few hours later, the doctors told Kathleen, he's lucky he'll suffer less because his stomach is empty. He won't vomit so much. Let's go, I told Kathleen as I turned to leave. I could feel it another minute there and I'd faint. I paid for the hand.